Let us get going. Good evening. We are coming together in our uh, third uh, shear, third class in the series. Previous two were on halachos, and tonight we'll get into some insights to prepare us for Pesach, for the Seder night, and just get ourselves into the proper uh, proper frame of mind. So let's begin. If you have any questions, please feel free to uh, chat them, and uh, either we'll get to them on the spot or at the end. Interestingly, the night of Pesach is called Leil Seder. It's called the Seder, okay? And it's interesting to note that it's called Leil Seder, not Leil Pesach, which is something that we spoke out last year as well. An idea that we that we uh, shared last year was, the focus last year was to notice that really there's a divine plan to everything. Even when we mess up, there's Seder. The word Seder means order. There's perfection. There's order to everything that happens in the world. Even if we were to completely mess up and make a mistake and do something terrible in our lives, there's still a perfect plan for that action. It's not like you can ever have an action in life where things got messed up, things change. No, there's perfection to everything. And the main idea that I would like to point out this evening and share together is the Pesach Seder is all about emuna, trust, knowing the Ebishter first developed, HaKadosh Baruch Hu was in control, Hashem continues to be in control. That is Seder night. This theme, all the Divrei Torah that people come to the Seder with are beautiful and incredible. They can really be shared any other time throughout Pesach. It's a long eight days for us here in St. Louis. There's a lot of times to share Divrei Torah. And at the Pesach Seder, it's also appropriate to have Divrei Torah. But the theme, the focus, the conversation has to be on the story of the Exodus. Not in like a good chap on a word. And therefore, you should be a nice guy. Right? That's a nice Divrei Torah. But that's not the focus of Seder. The po- focus of Seder is the perfect order, the perfection in our relationship with HaKadosh Baruch Hu. There's a Mephorish, there's a commentary called the Kolbo. And the Kolbo writes that it's very interesting to, to note that this is really the only night that we find on the Jewish calendar where we're so focused on everything being just so. There's 15 things that we need to do at the Pesach Seder, and it must be in that particular order. Every other time, it's like, okay, you did this, you did that. Okay, the Seder. You know, the more perfection is needed, the more holiness there is. You know where we see this? The Kohen Gadol on Yom Kippur. The Kohen Gadol on Yom Kippur, his task was to have his service down to a T. The more holiness there is, the more perfection and exactness is needed. The Pesach Seder is a time where there's tremendous Kedusha, there's tremendous holiness, and we come together. Uh, we, we come together at the Seder to, um, to, to, yikes, to point this out. Okay? So the Kobo writes, he, uh, he, he, um, he, he writes that we should notice that it's, it's unique, that we need to do so many things in such a precise fashion. Now, there's an interesting Alshech. The Alshech in the book of Shemos, Parak Yud Gimel, chapter 13, Pasig Yud, verse 10, he actually writes, the, he writes out the 15, and listen to what he says. He says, Kadesh, what is Kadesh? He says, sanctify yourself, even for things that are permitted to you. Donuts are kosher. Very nice. To eat a dozen donuts for breakfast, not kosher. There's a kosher symbol, but you're not supposed to do it, right? So Kadesh means that a Jew is supposed to look inward and say, you know what, I know there's rules and regulations, but what can I do that even if I'm allowed and I'm not necessarily doing something that's a sin, but should I be doing this? That's how we sanctify ourselves, by asking ourselves, should I be doing something? You know, we live in the United States where we're blessed to be in such a beautiful, incredible country that we need to have incredible hakar satov, incredible, incredible gratitude for there are some downsides to the country. For example, when you have free speech, people think that means you're supposed to say whatever's on your mind. No. Even if, Baruch Hashem, we have the rights to say that, but it doesn't mean it's right 
to say that. Sometimes it's wrong to scream at a person because they happen to be the Southwest person who, you know, you, they, your luggage didn't show up. So some poor young lady, you know, uh, in Lambert uh, Airport, so she's the one who I take out my wrath on. I'm standing up for my rights. I could say what I, you're right, but does that mean it's right? <laughs> I mean, it's right, come on. Says the Alshech, Kadesh is a Jew supposed to think inwardly by Kadesh and say, HaKadosh Baruch who believes in me, I'm holy, and holy people even sanctify themselves within areas that are permitted. Orchatz, to cleanse ourselves. We wash our hands, we wash, we purify ourselves. Karpas, Karpas says the Alshech, the letters could be rearranged to be read kaf rash, which means that for ourselves, kaf is a pam, okay? Rash is of the poor. So for ourselves, we should be satisfied with our basic needs. But when it comes to the poor, we should fill their palms. We should be, we should, um, we should be um, not so needy with our personal needs, not so uh, generous, so to speak, you know, be, be a little frugal. You don't have to put all your fancy things out there. But when it comes to somebody else, no, want them to have, want them to have. That's karpas, right? Limit our own indulgence, but for others, make sure they have their fill. Yachatz, we then break the middle matzah, we hide it. That's an allusion to the idea that even when we do give to others, the ultimate merit, the ultimate reward is hidden away. We don't want the reward here in this world. If somebody were to write a check, you give it, somebody comes to your door, they're collecting, collecting money. So you say, okay, I'll give you money. You give, them, you give them $18. What did they get? $18. What did you get? A mitzvah. The guy wants to give $18 back. You know what I'm going to say? No, thank you. I'm not trading in my mitzvah. I got a mitzvah for 18 bucks. That's a steal of a deal. Right? You kidding me? So yachatz is where we break it. We put away the poor man's bread, the part that's given to the poor, to teach ourselves that really there's a divine plan in this world, but ultimate reward, we want it to come in the world to come. There's nothing in this world that can satisfy a real repayment of a mitzvah. That's what we notice at Yachatz. Magid and Rachza. What's Magid? To tell over, to speak things out, to speak in a way where Rachza, not only have I washed myself, but also to, to help others wash themselves, to be a productive person within society. Motzi matzah, says the Alshech, motzi matzah is to take out the matzah. To take out matzah represents the Yetzir Tov, something that we're going to get to shortly, which is the opposite of the Yetzirah. The Yetzirah is termed to be chametz. Listen to this beautiful idea. There's, um, uh, I saw brought down from Yitzhak Zilberstein. He says, in, in a way of using it as a pun, it's a true question, but it's not going to be asked in this exact way per se. It says, after 120 years. Okay, we're talking about now motzi matzah, to take out the matzah, to make sure our Yitzhah our Yitzhah Tov is functioning. That's the matzah. It says, after 120 years, we're going to come up to heaven. And they're going to ask, were you chametz or were you matzah? What does it mean, were you chametz or you matzah? What does it mean chametz? Chametz means leavened. It can also, also the root word of vinegar. Something that spoiled a little bit. Did you spoil the time you had in this world? Did you squander it? Did it become chametz? Or were you matzah? You know what matzah really means in Hebrew? To find. Or did you find life? Did you spoil life? Or did you find life? The greatest thing that we have is time. It's the greatest thing, that, the greatest gift that we have in, in this world. And the question is going to be, when we come up to Shemayim, did we use our time? Did we squander it? Or did we, uh, did we use it wisely? Okay? Now, the matzah, if you ever went to a matzah bakery, that matzah's beat up. It's not given any time. That matzah's in action. The moment that dough, the water touched the flour, they're, they're pounding that dough, they're beating it, they're... Uh, Within, usually within 45 seconds, that thing's uh, in the oven. For uh, a couple minutes, that thing's in the oven. How long do you ever see a matzah in the oven? 12 to 18 seconds max. The matzah's actually in the oven before it's being pulled out. What's chametz? It's sitting around chilling, doing nothing. What's the chametz doing, right? It's sitting there. I got all the time in the world. I'm not doing anything. 
So there's a tremendous musa, there's a tremendous idea here in Motsi Matzah. Did we take out our Yetzir Tov? If we want to earn our time in this world, we have to realize there's trials, there's tribulations, there's things that come to us, there's things that come to us even through our good deeds. Even through our good deeds. Sometimes you could do a good deed for somebody, and this is a beautiful uh, vart that I love to quote. Davra Melech tells us in Mizmar the David, we sing this at Shal Shudas, a well-known chapter of Tehillim, where Davra Melech says, Ach tov v'chesed, your defuni kol yemechai, may only good and kindness run after me all the days of my life. What does he mean? Davra Melech says, There's all, every person's going to have tsaros in this world. Everybody's going to have a tsar. There's always going to be trials and tribulations. That's how HaKadosh Baruch Hu keeps us matzah. There's going to be challenges. That's how Hashem keeps us uh, connected to Him. There's something. There's something He's going to allow us to use to flex those muscles. Imagine if we had a muna. We trust in Hashem, but we never had an opportunity to use it. So Hashem gives us opportunity to use it. He'll send us a little trial. He'll send us a tribulation. He says, no. I'm letting you use your amuna, Right? So, that little bit of matzah, that's, that's an action, even though we don't ask for the trials, we don't ask for the tribulations, but Davra Melech says, if I'm going to suffer from tsaras, let it be my good that I did. Sometimes you do good for somebody else, you try to be helpful, and what happens? It just blows up in your face. Right? You try to do something for somebody else, and uh, it comes back to haunt you. Right? It happens. It happens. You didn't mean any of that. Davidov says, listen, if I'm going to have tzaras, let it be my good things that I tried to do. That should be what chases me. You know, at least it's, at least it's coming from, uh, from a good place. That's motzi matzah, says the Alshech. To bring out the Yetzir Tov, to bring out the goodness, which is the opposite of chametz, which is the Yetzirah. And then you have the Maror, the Korech, the Shochanorech. This is all the bitterness and the bitter rap. It's all mixed together. You know, sometimes we say this in Shema. In the words of Shema, we say, one should serve Hashem bechol levavcha, with all your heart. The Gemara in Mesech Brachus asks, why doesn't it say bechol libcha? There's two vases. That second vase is completely unnecessary. Libcha means your heart. Lamed vase chafsofis. Instead it says bechol levavcha. Why? Says the Gemara, to teach us, we have two hearts, so to speak. There's a Yetzir Tov and a Yetzir Hara. And the Yetzir Tov, listen to this, this is incredible. The Yetzir Tov is meant to use to serve Hashem and the Yetzir Hara is not to stop us from serving Hashem. The Yetzir Hara is to serve Hashem. We actually serve Hashem more with our Yetzir Hara than we do with our Yetzir Tov. Because it's the challenges and the trials that the, that the Yetzir Hara, this inclination, puts in front of us that allows us to come closer to Hashem. Therefore, says the Gemara, don't think the Yitzhahara is here to stop you from serving Hashem. No, 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 no. The Yitzhahara is actually what's supposed to, that we're supposed to serve Hashem with our Yitzhahara. And you know how we know this is true? Because the Gemara elsewhere tells us that the Yitzhahara is also the prosecutor in heaven. When we come up to heaven, there's a prosecuting Malach. You know who that is? The Yitzhahara. Excuse me? Who are you? You tried to get me to go against this. You tried to stop this whole thing. Who are you to prosecute? You know what the answer is? The Yitzhahara stands there being, hello, excuse me, Tenla. Do you know why I, I did that to you? Because I knew that you needed to grow with it. That's why I put that thing in your way. And it's either going to prosecute us or defend us. If we're able to stand up to the Yitzhahara, it's going to defend us. Yeah, Tenla used me to serve Hashem. So, Maror, the bitterness that is put into the world, says the Al-Sheikh Korech, should be sandwiched together, is, is, uh, is wrapped up, Shulchan Orech, in a place where there's an ultimate table, which again is referring to the world to come. Tzofan is hide away your good deeds. If we hide away our good deeds and we don't flaunt it, you do a chesed for somebody, forget about it. Move on in your life. Be proud of what you did, but don't keep remembering. Remember when other people do good for you. To you. If you ever do kindness to somebody else, do that kindness and then move on. 
you shouldn't keep it like, oh, look, look, look how great I am because, because I'm helping people. Tzofen, hide away your good deeds. It's going to come back later in Olam Haba. It'll come back for you. Barech in Olam Haba, you'll, you'll merit to bless Hashem. Halal with the halal, with the song of freedom. Nirza, the word nirza in Hebrew means, means like ratzon, it's pleasing. Okay, such a life, a life of a tzaddik is pleasing to Hashem. Just to, and this is just an introduction to the Seder, you understand? We stand there before we're even starting the Seder. This is incredible. Says the al and the custom is every Jew starts out the Seder by singing even if it's with a different tune. But the custom is to sing those words because not only are we singing out what's going to be taking place physically at the evening, but we're telling ourselves why we're doing what we're doing. The amuna, the relationship, the connection that we have, um, that we have with HaKadosh Baruch Hu. Now listen to this beautiful idea. Recently, we've been sharing in some of the Lunch and Learns, we've come across this idea, which is that every letter in the Torah has four ways for it to be expounded and explained. Okay? The way to remember it, the word is an acronym. Many of you may have heard this from me recently. It's called Pardes. Pardes in Hebrew means orchard, but it's an acronym for four words. Pei Reish Dalet Samach, which stands for Pei is Pshat. Every letter in the Torah has its basic meaning. Reish is the Remez, what it hints to. Dalid is the Drush, a Drusha, how you expand it. And Samach is Sod, the hidden secrets, the Kabbalah, of that letter and that word in the Torah. Every word of Torah has four ways to darshan it. Now listen to this. This is incredible. Seder. Samach, Dalid, Reish. Pardes. Pei, Reish, Dalid, Samach. The word Seder is only missing the Pei. The Pshat. But it has the sod, the seder, the Pesach seder has the hidden secrets of the world, of Torah, of the Ebishter. Dalit is the drush, how we expand, and Remez is everything that it hints to. The Pesach seder is so elevated, it is such a holy time, it's beyond any simple meaning. You cannot sit at a Pesach Seder and be like, oh, Boshu Pshat is, there's a simple meaning, it's a Pesach Seder, and therefore we do. Everything that we do is so much broader in our relationship with HaKadosh Baruch Hu than you, could, that you can ever, ever imagine. Okay. And we know, we, as, we, as we mentioned last year, you know, the Maishu Rabbeinu's name is not really mentioned in the Haggadah. We spoke this out with him in Chamarav tonight, Rabbi Ramayshu scream at me, you know, that it's Az uh, Yashir, we say, Vayaminu Bashem Moshe Avdo, right? So when referring to HaKadosh Baruch Hu, we do mention Maishu Rabbeinu's name, but it's fascinating. The, the, the one man who seemed to take a Sedim and Shaim is not mentioned, but you know why? Because this is the whole goal of the Seder. It's not about people. It's not about anything other than Hashem. When we're thinking about Hashem, Maishu Rabbeinu didn't take us out of Mitzrayim. That's not the right place to talk about Maishu Rabbeinu. This is when we talk about God. It's only God. It's only the Rabbeinu Shem. There's nothing else that happens. There's a beautiful parable. And this is going to be the theme of everything. Chavra, this is everything. All right? The Pesach Seder. Again, of course, you're going to have to use your Seichel common sense. People show up with their Divrei Torah and it's important to listen, especially the kids show up. They're all excited to share. But the Divrei Torah could be shared throughout Pesach. The Seder is just to talk about Mitzrayim, Yitzias Mitzrayim, each of our personal journeys in our own lives. We all have our own Geula that we've been through and that we continue to need. And HaKadosh Baruch Hu's continued involvement in each of our lives. This has to be the thrust of the entire Seder. This has to be the conversation. More than anything else, the conversation is the Rebbein Shalom. The Rebbein Shalom, the Rebbein Shalom. This is, this is the Seder of Shamshim Pinkus. He brings a beautiful parable. Beautiful parable. He says, you have a kid, little baby, infant, part of a Bnei Brak family. The family is going for Shabbos from Bnei Brak to Yerushalayim. So they set out on Friday afternoon. It's an hour and a half trip or so. They set out Friday afternoon from Bnei Brak to Yerushalayim. They leave Bnei Brak, and you ask the 14-month-old baby that can't talk, 
You say, where are you? Where are you? Does the baby say, B'nai Brak? No. You know what the baby says? In my mother's arms. Okay. Half hour into the trip, they're passing by some yeshuv, and you ask this baby, no, where are you? The baby says, in my mother's arms. A few minutes later, 20 minutes later, they're passing by Telstone, getting closer to Yerushalayim, and you say to the baby, where are you? The baby says, in my mother's arms. The baby gets to Yerushalayim, you say to the baby, where are you? The baby says, in my mother's arms. Says of Shamshim Pinkis, the Pesach Seder is meant to remind us we're always in the Rabbani Shalom's arms. No matter where we are, no matter what stage of life we're in, no matter what city we live in, no matter where we are in our travels, a Yid should always know, but particularly at the Seder, no matter what's happening and what's going on, we're in, the Rabbani, we're in HaKadosh Baruch Hu's arms. We're in our Father, our Father in Heaven is holding us. We look at the story of Mitzrayim and we say, I'm part of that people. I'm part of that nation. I'm part of that reality. I'm part of that history. Everybody's part of that history. It was a fascinating Gemara. This is, this is so interesting. This came up in Dafyami recently. I asked the question. It's a, a beautiful idea. Very often in a Gemara, the Gemara says, you know, Ger is Gair. The question on, on all this is, what happens if somebody converts to Judaism? Did they leave Mitzrayim? Yes, listen to this, amazing. The Gemara says, a convert that converts, you're never going to find the Gemara say, not never, you usually do not find the Gemara say, a Gentile who converts to Judaism. The Gemara says, a ger, a convert, shenizgayer that converts. What does it mean? Ger shenizgayer? I don't understand. It's not, it's not proper grammar. Mepharshim says something amazing. They say that actually every person who converts to Judaism, their neshama stood with us at Har Sinai. And therefore, when you look, any person who's converted, that's why the Gemara will, will most always, I don't know all of Shas by heart, maybe there's an exception here or there. But every time I remember, it's just sitting here, it says, Ger is Gair. Because the neshama of that person was with us. At Harsinai as well, took part in Yitzias Mitzrayim. Another, uh, another, uh, um, just once we're, once we're uh, on this uh, topic, another beautiful thing to mention. Okay. Gavaldik. So that is the, the Alshech and how he, how he goes through the 15 Simanim. Also, the Seder is without the pay because really there's no Pashup shot. It's so much deeper. It's so much, uh, it's so much holier. Now in Kiddush, I want to really focus. It's already, uh, I, I thought I'd have more time, but I want to get to Magid. We'll see. Um, but in Kiddush also, we say an expression, you know, we say, Moadim Simcha. It's another added idea. You know, we say, Moadim Simcha, Chagim Uzmanim L'Sasayin, right? What does Moadim Simcha mean? That it is a meeting of gladness. Sajab Chatzko Levenstein, the Mashkiach, he says that when best friends get together for a meeting, it's an intimate moment. It's a special setting. We start out our Pesach Seder with Kiddush saying, this is Mo'adim L'Simcha. This is a meeting of intimacy between us as a people, as a nation, and HaKadosh Baruch Hu. We are going to sit here this evening and focus on growing our relationship. That's all we're going to talk about. We stand there at Kiddush and we say, Hashem, Mo'adim L'Simcha. This is a meeting that we love. This is a meeting where we're only focused on each other. There's always going to be set times during the year, Yomim Toivim, Shabbos, Mayadim Simcha, where we meet HaKadosh Baruch with Ava, with love, and this is and uh, this is one of those times. Okay. Let's jump a little bit ahead. Last year when we were discussing some insights, you can find it on podcast, a lot of things that uh, we discussed, uh, getting up till Magid. I want to skip... The, the first few that we focused on last year and, uh, and see how far we can get um, within Magid. Okay. Says the Rambam. The Magid, by the way, is why the Haggadah is called the Haggadah. It means to tell over. Says the Rambam. This is the Rambam in Parag Zion, chapter 7, in Hilchus Chametz and Matzah. 
Mitzvah Sasei Shal Torah the Saper Benisim, the Mitzvah Sasei biblical command at the Seder to speak about the miracles, Veneflaus, and the wonders, Shenaasu Lavusenu Bemitzrayim, that took place to our ancestors in Mitzrayim. Listen to, and I'm going to skip along in his words, but here's, here's the, the precious, precious words that come away from the Rambam. This is how the Rambam ends the mitzvah. Ready? He says, And anybody who expands and speaks at length about HaKadosh Baruch Hu's kindness in the past and in the future, Hareza Meshubach. Behold, it is praiseworthy. You know why? Because you know what a person is by what they talk about. It's not praiseworthy per se because, oh, I did more of that mitzvah. But you know what it says? If you, the more a person's able to speak about their relationship and their ancestors' relationship with Hashem, that speaks volumes about the person themselves. What we speak about, we speak about things that we're passionate about things that we love, things that we care for. So the more a person is marich, the more a person expands on this mitzvah, the more we can look at them, him or her, and say, that's a person who gets it. That's a person who has a relationship, who has a real understanding with, with uh, HaKadosh Baruch Hu. Now you see from the Rambam again, just going back to what we said, the Pesach Seder is the time for this. Make sure at each of our sadarim the conversation rarely veers away from these types of topics. Yes, people will come with their divrei Torah and their nice ideas. And again, chas v'shalom, not to minimize any word of Torah, but we have to know what the goal of the Seder is. The goal is this. The relationship with Hashem, the nisim, the neflois that take place. And we're supposed to view ourselves like we're coming out of Mitzrayim in our own personal lives, our own personal gula, our own personal redemption. We start out Magid by saying Kol Dichven. Kol Dichven Anybody who wants, you know, uh, to, to, uh, who's interested could come and, and join us. I'm just going to share a, a very cute story because there's, there's what to learn from it, even though it's not necessarily connected so much to Muna Bitachin. We could connect it, obviously. It's not so difficult to squeeze everything back into that. But there's a, uh, a, a beautiful idea that's brought out through a story with the Rebbe Rebzusha. Rebbe Rebzusha um, Anapoli. So, Abzusha was visiting a Chesidish story. Listen, to this is great. He was visiting a town for Shabbos. Nobody knew him. He was a tremendous tzaddik, one of the greatest tzaddikim of all time. And he was visiting a town for Shabbos. Nobody knew who he was. And the custom in that town was that after davening, the gabai in the shul would set everybody up for meals, send them out to the locals. Reb Zusha davened longer than other people. He would get lost in his prayers. He would get lost in his tefillahs. And the Gabbai didn't notice him. You know, everybody else is shaking hands, filing out, asking for places. And seems like the last person's filing out. And finally, Reb Zusha finishes his Friday night Shemona Esrei. And um, he says, Aleinu, it's just him and the Gabbai. I'll cover the Gabbai. And he says, maybe you could find a place for me to eat. And the Gabbai says, what do you think this is? Uh, who are you? You know what I mean? Uh, you think you could take your time and then come over? I already, you know, all the hosts have already left. Yeah, I can't really help you. Abzush says, listen, says, I have a meal. You know, he says, I have, I have a mitzvah. I have a mitzvah. I need a Shabbosudah, maybe. She says, listen, the president of the town, the leader of the town, he's got a big table. He's got a long table. He always has plenty and pl- uh, plenty of guests. But there's an issue, and that is only the most learned people, the greatest lamdanim, you know, those who are well-versed in, in Torah, the, the meal's full of Torah. Only you have to be very well-versed in Torah to, to be able to sit at his table. So Rav Zusha says, I'm sorry, I, you know, I, I really don't know any Torah. I'm, I really don't know much. I, it's probably not for me. So the guy says, eh, you're probably just being humble. You know, I'm, I'm sure at some point you've learned Gemara, Something like that, you know, maybe you'll be able to share something. Absurdia says, No, I, I don't know how to learn. I don't I, I really don't know anything. So the Gabai's a little stuck. So he says, listen, he says, I'll tell you what. I'll tell you what. I'll take you to the president of the of the, the you know the city's house. He has a long thing. You just sit at the end quietly and make a little kiddish to yourself. 
sit down, you'll eat a little bit, you'll slip out the back, you know, maybe you won't even notice you. That's really the only advice I can give. Everybody else has already gone home. All right, that's what they do. All right. So Reb goes to the house and he starts making Kiddush. But what happens when Reb makes Kiddush? He gets lost in his Kiddush. So before he, he doesn't even know what he's doing. And in Kiddush, he's shaking and he's his Slavas and he's connecting out loud to the Rabbanish And he's, he's being Mekadesh HaShabbos. He's sanctifying Shabbos. And he's becoming like a whole grandstand, you know, without him even noticing. Huh? Okay. So he finishes his Kiddush and the, President of the town, he sees he got a big tzaddik here. So he gets all excited. He says, oh, Shom Aleichem, you must be a big Tamil Chacham. You must be a big scholar. So Rav says, no, I happen to be an ignoramus. I really don't know anything. He says, so what are you doing here? He says, what are you doing here? My table, this is a learned table. Maybe you could tell me something, a small chiddush, a novel idea. He says, I really, I don't know anything. He says, perkei something. Maybe you went to a shul and you heard the rabbi speak. He says, I don't know anything. Okay. So, the head of the household says, get out of here. You got to leave. Teitzei mehabayis, get out of my house. So, the wife, the wife, the hostess says, nobody gets thrown out of my house. She says to her husband, nobody gets thrown out of my house, listen, you know, we do have a rule, you got to be learning to come, but once he's here, nobody gets thrown out. Therefore, he's not leaving. Okay, fine. So the wife's the boss. So he stays. So he sits down, and the, and the head of the household, the president says, all right, so at least you got you to say something. You got to say something smart. Some pasuk, something. Say a verse from Tanakh, somewhere in Tanakh, somewhere in the Bible. So... He says, says Reb Zusha, I know what to say to Hillam. He says, okay, tell me a verse from Tehillim. Listen, listen to what Reb Zusha says. It's amazing. He says, I, I remember a novel idea that I had on a verse in Tehillim. Because there's something that bothers me. You know, there's a contradiction between the Haggadah on Pesach and Tehillim. You know, in the Haggadah, it says, Zecher la Mikdash Kehillim. We eat the matzah maru sandwich because we want to remember what Hillel established in the Beis HaMikdash. Now if Hillel's in the Haggadah, he must be a big tzaddik. This is what Rabbi is saying, yeah? If Hillel's in the Haggadah, he must be a big tzaddik. But here's the problem. There's a verse in Tehillim. There's a verse in chapter 10, verse 3, Paragil, Pasuk Gimel. The Pasuk says, Ki Hillel Raja al Tabas Nafsho. Now, before anybody, I, I want to translate what this really means. Kihilo Russia means when a sinful person sings, halal, when a sinful person sings, al-ta'avas nafsho, it is about his desires. So, he's, Reb Zusha read the Pasuk, Kihilal Russia, for Hillel was a wicked person. Al-ta'avas nafsho, because he had a lot of typhus. So says Reb Zusha, what we call a klutz kasha, a klutz question, yeah? I don't understand. In the Haggadah, it seems Hillel's a tzaddik. In Tehillim, it seems Hillel's a Russian. Now, remember, this whole thing's mistaken, because it doesn't mean Hillel, it means Hallel, to praise. But this is his, this is his question. So everybody at the table bursts, cracks up. They're laughing five minutes. They can't stop laughing. What a ridiculous, ridiculous question. This guy's off his rocker. Okay? Okay. So finally, after five minutes, so finally the, the, the head of the household, he catches his breath from laughing. He says, no, uh, tell me the answer. He says, you have an answer? What, what, what's the answer to your great question? This is what Zosha says. He says, yeah, I figured out the answer. He says, Hillel in the Haggadah was certainly a tzaddik. You know why he was a tzaddik? Because the Haggadah starts out called Dichvin Yeseviyechol. Anybody who's hungry should show up at my table to eat. Not, not learned people, not, not smart people, not Talmidei Chachamim. If you're hungry, you're invited to my house. But Hillel in the, Hillel in Tehillim is a Russia because you know why? You know why he had food? Al-Tavas Nafsho, because he invited people for his own honor, to satisfy his own tithes, because he wanted to look good. That's the answer. The head of the household obviously realized what he was dealing with and he was and he was quiet okay after the meal 
he, he, he caught on that to be able to cook up such a ridiculous question when you're such a learned person, you need to be learned to come up with an answer and a message like that. So after the meal, he, Reb Zusha goes back to the Bismedrish. This guy chases him out to the Bismedrish and he says, he says, how'd you know I was the Hillel Harasha from Tehillim? How'd you know? He says, listen, Reb Zusha says, listen, Zusha doesn't have Ruach HaKodesh. I don't know. I really don't know. I don't, I don't know anything. <laughs> he goes back to just like playing dumb. Is that, uh, you know, I, 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 I don't know much. The only thing I know is that I have a lot of Averus. And he started listing all the sins of the head of the household, of the president of the community. He says, I, I just know my own faults. And he starts going through like everything the other guy does wrong. Okay? He says, God bursts out crying. He says, he says Rebbe, I see you're at Tzaddik. He says, he says, what could I do? What could I do to shape up? So he says, you don't have to ask me for forgiveness. There's nothing to do with me. He says, you know what shape up you need? Within your house. You need to start opening up your house in front of everybody. Anybody who's hungry, anybody who's poor, anybody who's tired, you make sure you take care of humanity. Anybody who HaKadosh Baruch Hu feels necessary to take care of, that's somebody that you are supposed to take care of. As the Pesach says, Throw your bread to the hungry. Doesn't say throw your bread to the tzaddik. Throw your bread when people are hungry. That's the story with Reb Zusha. Now, what's it got to do with Magid? So in the beginning of Magid, we say like this. We say, you know, anybody who wants to come should come earn a meal. That's how we start out the Haggadah. We start out the Seder. Yeah. First of all, you know, shouldn't we have done this a week ago? Right? If you need a Pesach Seder, eh, let me know. Right? You're invited to my house. Why are we doing it now? We come home from shul, and now we're saying, oh, whoever wants to eat. Okay. Question number two. You start the Haggadah, and you say, anybody who wants to eat should come eat. What if, 10 seconds later, your door opens, and 20 people walk through your door. We're here. Shkayich. <laughs> Thank you so much for the invite. Are you really going to have enough food for them? Are you even going to have a seat around the table for them? No, there's no room. Okay? So what, what are we doing? It's a basic question. Basic question. Says the Heligah Chassam Seifer. Chassam Seifer says, before we start the Haggadah, we're not able to say anybody who wants to come and eat will eat. You know why? Because we also don't necessarily have enough we don't. Not everybody ha- is capable of having a tremendous amount of guests, a lot of family, a lot of friends, and having 20 people. It, it costs money. I don't have the space in my home. So to say it before the Seder, it's just simply not possible. You know why it's not possible? Here's where that word comes in. Because we're living in a world of nature, says the Chazam Seifer, bringing this whole conversation full circle. At the Pesach Seder, there's no such thing as nature anymore. We're sitting there with the Shekhinah. We're sitting there with HaKadosh Baruch Hu. Our homes become the Beis HaMikdash. And one of the things that happened in the Beis HaMikdash was Muat Machzik Esamaruba. When you had less, it was still able to sustain more. Now that we're sitting down at the Pesach Seder, the reality changed. And every Jew can stand there and say, you know what's really happening now at my table? If you want to come, I know there's going to be enough food for anybody. It doesn't make a difference how much I cooked. It doesn't matter. The reality is going to be, there'll be enough for everybody. But it takes the Pesach Seder in order to be able to reach that madrig, in order to be able to reach that, uh, that opportunity. Okay. Rabbi Victor Miller, Zechariah Levracha, has a beautiful, beautiful um, idea that he shares. And he prefaces it with a question. His question is like this. Very often in the Torah, we find what seems to be new conversations starting with the Hebrew letter Vav. Whenever a word starts with the letter Vav, it generally means and. 
Now, when you say this and that, that means you're continuing from something else. But it's interesting, if you open up, you start a new book of Torah, it's going to start with the, for ex- the second book of Torah, the, the Parsha of Shemos. Ve'ela Shemos B'nai Yisrael, and these are the names of B'nai Yisrael, and what? <laughs> There's a brand new book, and what? This isn't like the third chapter where you're continuing on from a previous conversation. Okay? Bamidbar also starts with a vav. Vayedaber Hashem Moshe, and Hashem spoke to Moshe saying, Sefer Yehoshua starts with a vav. Sefer Shoftim starts with a vav. Vayehibi Meishvot HaShoftim. Shmuel Aleph, Shmuel Beis. So many Svarim begin with the letter vav. What's the deal? With the letter Vav. You're not going to, says Rabbi Victor Miller in his words, he says, well, if you're going to tell a story, you're going to say, once upon a time, and once upon a time, right? That's only when your kid asks for a second story. And there's another story I'm going to make up, yeah? What's with, what's with the ends? It's, it's fascinating. So many times in the Torah, a brand new conversation starts with a Vav, which means and. It's got to serve a purpose. Says Rabbi Victor Miller, the letter Vav, is Amuna. Listen to what he says. The reason why over and over and over the Torah has a letter Vav is because it's teaching us there's nothing in history that's disconnected. The book of Bereshus is all about our forefathers down to Yaakov and the tribes. Next thing we know, it's, it's much later. We're in Egypt and Hashem's talking to Moshe Rabbeinu. Yeah? So I would say, okay, it's a new book. It's a whole new thing. No, no, no. No. There's nothing in history or in our lives that's disconnected. What the letter Vav does, it's a link to everything. Vav means and. The Vav Amudim. These were, these were the connectors in the Mishkan. They were called Vav Amudim. A Vav connects like a link in a chain. That's what a Vav does. There's always going to be a Vav in, uh, in Torah because whatever happens in this world is all part of one big plan of HaKadosh Baruch Hu. Every happening in history follows a sequence from beginning until the end. Everything is purposeful and is in total harmony with each other. The story of Yosef was a result of a long chain of history. Yosef had to, was sold. He had to rise to power years in the making, right? It took time. Rabbi Victor Miller asks, he says, why didn't Hashem just snap his fingers, tell Yosef about the, the jail guards just fell asleep, just leave. Walk into Paro's palace. I'll make sure that they don't hurt you. And go, you know, go tell Paro, you know, that you're going to be second in command, you know. Hashem could have done that. The answer is, Hashem could have. But Hashem does things with cunningness, in a very natural way, where we're supposed to, He expects us to notice the miracles within what other people would otherwise perceive a normal sequence of events. Hashem's standing behind the curtain, manipulating everything, and there's a reason for this. There's a reason for this. It's not because HaKadosh Baruch Hu wants to drive us crazy. But HaKadosh Baruch Hu is letting, giving us the opportunity to notice Him. Instead of everything just being spoon-fed, note, Hashem says, just notice me within Tava. Notice me within creation. The vav, this and that. Notice what happened previously in your life and that's why you're sitting here right now. Notice why you, you were born into a family that in your, in your environment and your system, even if it was a good one or not a good one or not. Notice how it helped build you. Can you imagine? Think about this. Can you imagine what sort of nation we would be if we would not have spent those hundreds of years in Egypt? You ever ask yourself that question? You ever think to yourself who we would be as a Jewish people if we wouldn't have spent time in Egypt? There's no way we would be as healthy of a people as we're blessed to be. Why did we need to spend that time in Egypt? To build us. But we have to connect that. We have to make that vav. And that's history. There's this. And th- there's always this. And there's, that, and, and there's that. This is one of the most important ideas that a, that a person has to notice throughout, this lot, uh, throughout our lives. And, and this is what's going to give us to, uh, the ability to notice our own gula, our own redemption. When we see the process of everything that happens, stage one to stage two and to stage three, and it keeps going. You look back like, oh, that, eh, eh. And sometimes we're not gonna ultimately figure it out, but we have to know if Hashem made it happen, it's part of an important sequence. Um, and it's part of an important sequence that exists. Okay, we're, uh, 
Okay. A couple more things. You can log off whenever you want. I'm just going to share a, a, a couple more ideas. We ask four questions at the Pesach Seder. The answer to the four questions is Avodamayinu, right? We were servants to Paro in Mitzrayim. All right. How's that an answer? How's an answer? We were servants to Paro in Mitzrayim. So there was a, um, a Rav. His name was Rav Tzvi Hirsch Levin. Zechreinu Levracha. And he had the ability, he had the zuchos, however it worked out, call it a zuchos, whatever, he had to. He ended up, for whatever reason, hosting the mayor of Berlin at his Pesach Seder. He wasn't Jewish, however it worked out, he ended up at the Pesach Seder, story in and of itself, fine. Okay, now this, the, the mayor was very, very friendly with the Jewish people. Wasn't like, uh, you know, he was, he was uh, he's a good guy. He's very friendly. And um, he started out the Seder with Rav Tzvi Hirsch Levin's family. And after the kids asked the Manashtana, he said a very interesting question. And this question I've heard in other settings, but I've seen it here in, in the context of a story. And he says, I don't understand something. He said, I find it interesting. He said, I know you you also have a holiday called Sukkot. You have a holiday of Sukkot, where also you commemorate the leaving of, of Mitzrayim. And apparently he had been in the Levin Sukkah as well. Um, and he says, you know, your kids didn't ask these questions on Sukkot. On Pesach, they're asking four questions. Why is this night different from all the other nights? He says, you know, when I was in your Sukkah, your kids weren't asking, why do we sit in the sukkah? He says, why is that? That was an interesting question. Yeah? Interesting question. So, Rav Tzvi Hirschlevin answered him. He says, I'm going to give you a glimpse into the life of a Jew. He says, a Jew knows. He says, we know that as grateful as we are to Western society for how kind it's been, at least recently, not during the Holocaust, but over the course of time, um, we know that, you know, we always yearn for the times of Mashiach. And while, while we're in exile, it's not going to be easy. So for a Jew and a Jewish kid to have to move out into a sukkah is not such a chiddush for him. It's not such a novel idea. We raise our children knowing that, you know what? It's not our true home. And we're not here permanently. And we yearn for a day where we're going to have a permanent home with the Shekhinah. So when we move out into a sukkah, my children aren't so bothered. But it's when we sit at the Pesach Seder and we bring out all our fancy items, we sit at the beautiful Pesach Seder bedecked with everything that we have. You know, the Shulchan Aruch writes, Tzalacha, that in you, generally a Jew is supposed to be modest and not be, you know, go over the top and be overly fancy. But the Shulchan Aruch writes that at the Pesach Seder, if you have any gold, put it on the table. If you have any silver, put it on the table. If you have any valuables, we're supposed to put it out there so that to help remind ourselves of the freedom Hashem taking us out of Mitzrayim. We went from servitude to... So to represent that, we're supposed to bring it out in tremendous grandeur. So Rav Levin tells him, he says, it's at the Pesach Seder that my children are shocked. What's going on? I thought we're in Gullus. I thought that we're not. All of a sudden, we're focusing on all this Geula. Right? Focusing on all this Geula. He says, this is the answer to the Manishtana. Manishtana, he says, oh... There's four questions. Why? Why are we drinking all this wine? Why are we leaning? Why are we showing? A, a Jewish kid is surprised by this. It's not the Jewish way. I thought we're in Gullus. What's with all these signs? We're dipping all this royalty. What's happening? And that's when we lead to the story. We say, my entire akin to my beloved child. Let me tell you, you're right. We're in Gullus now. But the same way there was a time where we were avodim hayinu to paro in Mitzrayim, the same way there was a time when we were servants bar Mitzrayim and he took us out, our Seder table represents the perfection that's going to happen when we're, when we're taken out of this gullus as well. That's how avodim hayinu answers up that question. We're already at time. We'll hold it here for this evening. And if anybody has any questions or things they want to point out, please uh, feel free to share. Yeah, the, the question was, why do we got to eat so much more matzah? Okay, that was the... Uh, that was the, uh, the, the question that was chatted. So I'll tell you a family story. 
my, uh, my father's father, his name was Rabbi Isaac Tendler, okay? So he was a student of the Chafetz Chaim. Talmud of the Chafetz Chaim, it's a whole story. He, had, he happened to got kicked out of Rod and he got kicked out of Yeshiva that the Chafetz Chaim let him back in. It's a whole story in and of itself. But uh, Rabbi Herber, Rabbi Herber was a Talmud of his. He was the head of RJJ. He was apparently very, uh, um, very funny, uh, uh, very funny shir. Rabbi Herber tells me he remembers my grandfather sitting down in class teaching Gemara. We'd have a whole stack of svarim smoking his cigar and he would, uh, he would tell jokes as he was turning from, you know, from, uh, as he was moving between Sfarim. But be it as it may, <clears throat> my grandfather, my Zaydi Isaac, was an orphan. He was a young orphan. And he had the Seder with the Chavetz Chaim. Okay. So when he was older, he, had, he was now the Zaydi. He himself was the grandfather. And my siblings and my cousins were having the Seder with him. And the yeshiva guys... My, my cousins and my brothers came back from yeshiva and they had learned the Mishra Bura. The Chavetz Chaim wrote the Mishra Bura. It says the Mishra Bura that you're supposed to try to eat the whole kezayis of matzah at once. Cheat as quick as, as possible. Okay, so you put a kezayis, you chomp on it, and then you try to swallow it as fast as possible. That's what it says in the Mishra Bura. Fine. So you have all these yeshiva guys that are coming back from yeshiva. They're learned, you know. They're sitting down and... They're all uh, full in their mouth, you know, with all the matzah. And my grandfather, my Zadie Isaac, looks at his grandchildren and he's like, what are you doing? <laughs> so like, what do you mean, Zadie? You're Rebbe, the Chavetz Chaim. Mishabur, the Chavetz Chaim says, you're supposed to put the whole kezayis in your mouth. And it. So my grandfather says, listen, I had the Zadie with the Chavetz Chaim. He didn't look like a chipmunk when he ate matzah. <laughs> he's like, I don't know what he wrote, but that's not what he did. <laughs> Right, he didn't look like a chipmunk. He ate his matzah regularly. So the question was, why we, you know, why we have to eat so much? The answer is that it's, it's not a matter of so much, but we have to eat an amount that's called a halachic eating. A halachic eating in 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 uh, the Torah is the size of a kezayis. Achila is the size of an olive, and therefore we're supposed to eat the shear of a kezayis, the size of an olive. Now people get a little uh, machmir with that, and we're up to two kezayisim now. But uh, that's why there's so much, uh, there's so much uh, handed out. Now, if um, um, whoever texted that, if you have a hard time eating matzah, as we said in the halacha shir, according to Rabbi Heinemann of the Star K, a kezayis is a third of a hand matzah. And if you have a hard time eating that, you can, because of health reasons or whatever, you can even have that. You can eat a sixth of a hand matzah or a quarter of a square matzah. That would suffice. If you do have a hard time eating so much matzah, just it's important to at least get in those minimum, uh, minimum measurements. All right, anybody else? Anybody, any other questions?